0: Hello. Today is October 4th. This is Heather um, with Heather's Hangout, and I am happy to be doing another podcast. Uh, Today, I have Ethan. Uh, He is uh, really an awesome guy, and he has a company, I guess you could say, or a business called Ethan or Ethan Glassworks, or is it just Glassworks? Ethan Glassworks. Ethan Glassworks. Um, And he is an artist and has been for quite some time, Uh, making different types of art and functional items through the art or the workings of uh, glass blowing, right? Right. Yeah. So if you could start off just kind of telling me where you're from, a little background about how you got started, how long you've been doing this, you can get as in detailed as you want, because I think this is fascinating for most people.
1: So uh, my name is Ethan Crawford. Uh, I've been blowing glass about six years. And uh, I loved making coral sculptures. Um, This kind of goes back to growing up in a small town in Kentucky, playing in our backyard. We had a creek and I would love finding these coral fossils. And um, that just kind of sparked the interest of like my house used to be a coral reef. My house used to be underwater. And uh, that was such a cool thing to think about. So uh, growing up, I always liked creating. I always liked making things and art was really the only outlet that I felt resonated with me. Um, so I was lucky enough to get a scholarship to college for creative studies in Detroit, Michigan, uh, for automotive design, where, I I learned pretty quick that automotive design was not my path, but (laughs) they had a glass blowing program there. And, uh, Oh, man, I'm so glad I took that class. And uh, yeah, I changed my major that year. I was like, yep, I'm going to be a glassblower. And here I am. Yeah, I've been sticking with it for the past six years and uh, not looking back.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I remember kind of like how we discussed when I went down to your guys' studio. uh, You know, growing up, we have the Neiman Marcus Art Museum, which is all glassblown art uh, in Seattle. And he's obviously like, a, I'm sure you've heard of him. He's, he's a pretty, uh, popular guy. And I think once a year, downtown Seattle, they have like a, like an art festival where he has like huge amounts of different pieces and stuff. And you, you kind of go through this whole, uh, you know, walk through in a museum and he makes different collages with glass and stuff. And I I thought it was really neat. I think the last time I got to go was probably back in 2014 but he he really goes all out i think he has a team of people that i mean clearly there's no way he's doing all that by himself because it's a lot oh, <laughs> yeah. it was really neat i was very uh very fascinated by it because i'm like i can't believe somebody can make something so cool and like appealing with uh with a piece of glass you know so what i thought was really cool because you know obviously me and ethan my son went down there to raise studio Glassworks, right is that what it's called in a,
1: uh, are you talking about Chihuly?
0: No, your studio down in St. Louis that we visited. You oh, down in. in
1: St. Louis? That's Third Degree Glass Works. Oh, third, third, degree, okay. third Degree Glass Factory.
0: Yeah, which I thought was really awesome. We got to go down there and see you and your your, part, or your co-worker, if you will, and uh, sidekick and kind of see how that process went. And I posted some videos, but I thought that that was really neat because I didn't realize how much went into like what what goes into that like the dangers and like all the different stuff you have to do like it's just a lot more than what you would think (laughs) (laughs) so
1: it's a it's a love thing like glass blowing glass has a memory so if you do mess up it will remember it it'll show it it'll have a scar from that mess up and really the only way to there are some tricks and tips to get rid of that little scar, but it's always going to be there. Um, the real only only way to make something perfect is to make it perfect from start to finish, and that's something that I really like about glass blowing. But it's also something that makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, so yeah, that little bit of finesse um, just comes from repeating the same process over and over and over again. Until you really get the muscle memory from that process, and it's almost it's like a sense of <laughs> Yeah,
0: there's a lot of science that went behind it, like from what you guys were showing me, and uh, you know, general architecture. Like you kind of got to know how to put a lot of different, like what's going to happen when you do this certain thing to the piece of glass. There's so many variables, I would not have any idea, um, but. Like you said, it's a lot of muscle memory because it's it's not like painting where you can cover it up and, and make it look like something else or, you know, come back from it. It's like, you have to kind of get it right every time the first time. Otherwise it's just starting over, which I guess that is a lot of discipline. I would say, I mean, I don't know very many fields where you can't go back and just delete something like for me doing code, I can just go back and delete everything. I don't have to worry about it just being complete, you know, Ah, got to start over and make this again, and then all your hard work is down the drain, you know. And you got to redo it, and um, kind of like the the coral piece that you were telling me about, like all that went into that. If you want to get more into that, um, what was it made out of again? What material?
1: Uh, of what?
0: What material was your coral piece made out of? The one you guys were telling me about that fell everywhere.
1: Oh, the coral. Yeah, that was just a piece of solid coral glass. Um, it was a sculpture that took about six hours to make oh. and right towards, there were about two or three heats left before it got knocked off and put in the box, but I accidentally tapped the end of the pipe on the metal part of the bench and it just fell off the pipe and, uh, all that work just gets shattered on the ground. So oh. that happens more often than you'd like to admit, but- <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why it's not cheap. That's why you make things that are pushing the limits. And you push those limits until you figure out what the limit is. And then you kind of back off a little bit. And then you get back into it, push a little bit further until you find that next limit. And then you back off a little bit. So that's something that I've been doing with my coral pieces a lot. Um, uh, one of my favorite coral is the staghorn coral. And it looks a lot like antlers off of the stag or elk, elkhorn, um, all those types of deer with antlers. It's based off of that. So it's just cylindrical branches that um, kind of break off into twos or threes. And um, there's a special geometry to coral in order to make it look right. Just like everything has its own, Um, golden ratio, the kind of everything works by, um, yeah, back to the staghorn coral. It's a skinny cylindrical branch with a lot of branches being supported off of it. So you have to get the right diameter to be able to support all that extra weight and too skinny of a diameter. It'll flop around too much, um, in the heat too thick and it just doesn't have the right visual appearance of things so um, that's one of the biggest challenges is finding that limit to be able to still sculpt texture into it and not have it just become a big floppy mess
0: yeah that sounds like a lot and then from you know just watching like the kind of the dangers like you're dealing with so much like hot equipment is all around you. You guys have like, what is that thing that's like blowing the like fire at all times? Like, I don't even know what that is. So we got
1: a couple different main studio things. The furnace is what holds all the glass that we start in. Inside that furnace, there's a big ceramic bowl that holds about 200 pounds of liquid glass. So that thing stays on 24 seven, 365 days out of the year it only gets turned off one time out of the year to replace that ceramic bowl. Um, So we have at the studio, it's powered by solar electricity. So that's at least a little bit renewable, Um, but the reheating furnaces that we use, they get a little bit hotter. Um, They go up to about 2,300 degrees Fahrenheit. Those are actually called a glory hole and uh, they get turned off and on just depending when you're using it, so they don't stay on all the time. Yeah. Um, we a have lot. a couple different torches that get up to 3,000, 4,000 degrees. Um, everyone calls them lightsabers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just couldn't, and I mean, I felt like I needed to wear a tank top. Like I was overdressed because I didn't realize how hot it was going to be in there. And I was like, oh man, I really overdressed for this. Cause that you was get a pretty chill day, top. too. Yeah. <laughs> it gets warm in there quick uh, very warm.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, it reaches up to 130 degrees in the hot shop sometimes.
0: Wow. Gosh. So, um, I mean, while you were in like college for glass blowing, uh, are there, there's obviously like probably like many different like ways you can go with this, right? Like, cause you said you worked at it, like you started off kind of doing more mainstream stuff and now you're going more into like an artistic Avenue and making Absolutely. functional items, which I think is really cool.
1: Yeah, traditional glass blowing is creating vessels like cups, vases, uh, drinkware, bowls, um, things that are artistic but still have that blown glass history. Um, a lot of the shapes are just reincarnated historical um, figurines, um, but the whole new studio glass movement that kind of got introduced into the States back in the 60s, that's something that is a little more sculptural and a little less um, functional. Uh, You can make things that have zero function other than looking cool. And uh, the function is actually in the story behind it and uh, everything else that is involved in making that piece so uh that studio glass movement is something that's still fairly new and uh each artist has their own interpretation of it and that's what i really love about it and art in general is just like what is art
0: yeah i like the fact that it's not defined by a rule or a law like it's what you want it to be and it's what people value in their mind right there's no You can't tell somebody what it's supposed to be because to every person, well, maybe this is what it should be. (laughs) You don't have to worry about all the, it's not written in a book somewhere, how it has to be. It's using your imagination. And that's great.
1: But there's also little things like college definitely helped me like in terms of critiques, we would have critiques for every project we would do. And it's a really good way to get insight from peers about like, how do they interpret this piece? Uh, what does the craftsmanship say? Are you using good technique? And things like that really help push this art because there, I really push myself to make art that is technically good glass blowing. Um, yeah.
0: Well, what I like about it is that the pieces that you're making are, you know, pieces that it's like quality stuff that's unique in nature. You're not just going to find it in a store, obviously. Um, It sounds like you do some custom stuff, uh, but, you know, it's stuff that's going to last. It's not like glasses, like little, you know, chimpsy china type stuff. It's like nice stuff that you'll keep for like 10 years or so. And then what I thought was really cool is what you were telling me about with your coral project that's going to have like, it's kind of a functional project. I'll let you talk about it, but I thought that sounded awesome. And to have that like in your kitchen, like if I had a fabulous kitchen, I would love that, but my kitchen's small.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the whole coral thing kind of started back in 2017. Um, I first started diving 2016, fell in love with the reef, super colorful, super nice. Um, I went back to the same spot in 2017 Um, And over the summer of 2017, that was one of the biggest mass coral bleachings all over the world. So that wiped out a lot of coral. Um, So I wasn't really expecting that whenever I went diving that year, but (laughs) kind of witnessing all the bleaching. Like you see things that took hundreds of years to get that way. And then just like that, it's gone. It's dead. And that was just a big wake up call for me. Like, I had really um, – Steve Irwin was one of my biggest inspirations growing up. Like, always been an animal kid, always got, like, the animal magazines growing up. And anything with to do with nature, just – I was all about it. So, I don't know. I felt like I needed to do something about it. Like, I have never lived by the coast, so – You always hear growing up, the reefs are dying, like it's all going to be dead by the time you grow up. And you didn't really take it serious because you've never seen the ocean and you're (laughs) not there to kind of witness it at all. But the fact that coral produce, like coral reefs produce over 50% of the world's oxygen and reduce two thirds of the earth's greenhouse gas emissions.
0: See, I, I realized there was an impact of coral. I didn't realize it was that strong
1: they are very essential to our way of life
0: yeah Um,
1: so not only do they help with creating oxygen and uh, reducing greenhouse gases they also help prevent shoreline erosion which is a big problem in florida right now Um, with all the hurricanes coming in if there were more reefs that would help break down some of the waves and make Uh those waves a little bit less um it also helps with Cooling the planet is just like a big radiator. Um,
0: So how, what's the reason that so many of them are disappearing? Like, what's the main reason for that?
1: People. um, Increased water temperatures, increased pollution. um, Sunscreen. One of the biggest problems is non-reef safe sunscreen. And that's something that anyone can fix. Yeah. So the problem with non-reef safe sunscreens is that, um, well, let's go through the life cycle of a coral. The coral starts out as an egg that gets fertilized. This little egg turns into a little tiny worm looking thing that swims around in the ocean until it finds a nice place uh, on coralline algae to metamorphosize into a single coral polyp. So this little worm looking thing can swim around. This is something that I never knew. I thought coral just was coral.
0: Yeah, kind of I like mean, I know butterfly. it's like a living organism, but I didn't think it would, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's multiple life stages, just like bugs. Um, so they go from this worm looking thing into a single coral polyp that multiplies into the coral that we see. But the reef safe, the non reef safe sunscreens will actually prevent that little coral larvae from going through the hormonal processes of transferring into the coral polyp. So it just kind of tries to transform, but it gets mutated and dies. So that's all just from non reef safe sunscreen ingredients. And they found this out through kind of testing these little aquariums, putting a little bit of sunscreen in there, and just the smallest amount of it can, can prevent coral from doing that. So that's- obviously everybody's
0: going to the beach and in the water with their sunscreen and putting it in the ocean and everything else, all the oil spills we've been having. But
1: you know, in the larger scale of things, like coral in order to um, evolve with the increasing ocean temperatures, They need to sexually reproduce and get this new DNA formed um, instead of branching off and creating clones of the same DNA that was made hundreds of years ago. We need new DNA for new coral that are more resistant to coral bleaching and increased temperatures, but they just can't go through that evolutionary process if they can't get past that metamorphosis stage.
0: Wow, there's a lot that goes into this. I know that Australia is supposed to have some of the best coral reef. And it, I remember years ago, they were talking about problems with that. So I don't know, the uh, you know the Great Great Barrier Reef, is that what it's called? And I don't, I mean, is it still doing okay? Or is it died like they said it was doing? It's coming back in areas. Um, the problem now, it's kind of just a
1: race. Like we are trying to, replenish the reefs faster than they can replenish themselves, but we're also fighting against time. So last month, I went down to Florida to volunteer with the Coral Restoration Foundation, and I wanted to help plant some of these coral out in the ocean. You epoxy them down to the ocean floor, and you put the same type of coral close enough to where um, as they grow, they bump into each other they recognize themselves as the same genetic material, then they'll fuse together. So putting three separate coral kind of spaced away, they bump into each other and merge into one big coral. That is so weird. (laughs) You can do all that in about six months, as opposed to a single tiny coral trying to get up to that big in three to five years. Um, so that's one of the methods they're doing that is helping speed along this process Uh, gosh I love learning about this stuff and talking about it
0: it, it's awesome so your passion for like coral I I mean I totally understand it because it is fascinating but I'm kind of that way about like astronomy and things like that Um, but I mean it is a it is they are amazing I mean if you think about all the life that lives around coral and just the fact that it's, it's a living rock. I mean, it's just the weirdest thing. (laughs) I know when I went to Hawaii, I went snorkeling and saw quite a bit of coral. Um, It was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it was one of the most amazing experiences I've had because there's just so many cool like fish and like weird things that just kind of hang out around. Like it's, there's just so much life around coral you just feel like, you know, happy. <laughs> it makes you really happy. It so, really is. Like, I, uh, oh, I really
1: believe that being around nature, like, you see fractals and um, geometric forms that are just visually pleasing to your brain and to your eyes. And I live downtown St. Louis, this is like, I see squares and I see buildings, there's a little tiny park with a couple trees, but um, it's nothing like being in a forest like where I grew up. And uh, yeah, I really believe that seeing and being around that kind of sensory overload, all these patterns um, is really beneficial to uh, just mental health.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's it's soothing. I mean, it, it just to even... Watch all all of that's going on. It's relaxing. I mean, I think I think they have like a lot of people who have like background screens or TV screens when I go to the hair salon of like coral reef. (laughs) I'm just sitting there like, oh my god, I'm gonna fall asleep. (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's just a cool thing to watch, you know, because it's it's there's so much life and it's just it's really nice. But I also wanted you to tell people about how the awesome coral you know, designed uh, glass blown object that it has different holders for kitchen items, right? Yeah, so it's I've been- a wonderful looking art piece that has like all these different functionalities, but you could set it in the middle of a kitchen island and it would just make your kitchen freaking beautiful. And I found it fascinating, but you can talk a little bit more about that and what that does, because I thought that was very unique and very artistic and it looks like a good buy for anybody. Yeah, I've been
1: experimenting with this modular system. that um, It's kind of like Lego blocks, but made out of glass. So you can build these um, rock structures that have spots where coral can go. So you can pick what coral you want, pick which rocks you want, and kind of create negative space within it all. and it's all kind of functional too because the coral um, are attached to these stainless steel bottle stoppers on the bottom so you can just take it out of the sculpture put it in a bottle um, that you're using if you're feeling fancy like that
0: um, i mean so I it's, something- cool. it, it's very it's ornamental in your kitchen but at the same time I mean, that, that is functional and, but it is, it is pretty fancy, but I could see a lot of people liking something that like that in their kitchen without small kids. <laughs> they probably can't. break it.
1: <laughs> but I mean, it is glass. Like I will say though, after making a lot of these coral uh, geometries, you find the the geometry of coral is actually super, super strong. Um, if you can get it right, it's just as strong as like I don't know, any other building material. But uh I was very surprised. And
0: that is I can build and something a piece of glass, that, like you wouldn't like, think it have any strength to it at all. It just busts as soon as it's put under pressure. But it sounds like it's a scientific like you really have to know your science to make something like that. Cause I I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like, I, I don't know if you want to get detailed on that process, but what is it that you, or is it a different kind of material? Is there a process that gets it that way or it's like this unbreakable?
1: Oh, um, not really. I mean, it all comes down to just general proportions and understanding Physics to a degree. I mean, I've never taken any physics courses, or um, I know there's terms that describe making things strong, but I don't know. I've done a lot of experimentation. I've done a lot of failing. I've done a lot of figuring stuff out, hard thinking, and I might not be able to put things into words, but I definitely understand physics to a degree and heat manipulation and uh, how everything kind of plays in part in all of that. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of science that gets involved with it, but it mainly comes down to experience and um, just that general drive to want to learn, to want to figure it out. And uh, I don't know curiosity that's that's a lot of it
0: (laughs) yeah I feel like like going down the studio with you guys I'm like oh this looks like so much fun like I could see how you love it because it's it's hands-on but then you're also creating something and it's like the reward you know once you're done making it it's all like something you you built that's really cool I can definitely see why people enjoy it um you do lessons though right like for people to do to learn how to glass blow or I used to do lessons.
1: I'm not able to do them
0: anymore. Um, <laughs> you might, maybe. <laughs> I uh,
1: not at the studio I'm at now. Um, just because of insurance purposes, I'm not allowed to teach people glassblowing unless they've gone through the whole path to independence with that.
0: Uh, they're, sca- they're scared studio. somebody's gonna get hurt and sue or something because today is a lawsuit world, is it not? <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I get it. it it's to- it makes sense
1: and it's understandable.
0: Yeah, but it seems like of- you could really put like make something you know like some kind of class so like four people at a time. I mean, it seems like you could still put something together. I mean, it sounds like there's a demand for it in the area. There's people who are interested and would want to do it? I mean, I I don't know. Maybe they just need a somebody to call and be like, "Hey, are you offering some art, <laughs> some blowing classes?" <laughs> Maybe they'll get the hint. <laughs>
1: it's uh it's fun. I I kind of enjoy doing my own thing a little bit more. Yeah, uh, doing the whole reef thing—that's the direction that I really um, want to focus a lot of my energy on. Um, nothing wrong with classes. I just felt like when I was doing classes, I got kind of burnt out on it because I was doing the same thing all day, every day. And I was in the same spot as at month five, as I was at month one, just because I wasn't able to put any energy into the direction I really wanted to be in. So now I have the time to put the energy and, uh, put it
0: where it needs to be yeah but, yeah so what are some things that you're up to nowadays like what what are you kind of what are your favorite parts of of what you're do? you know what types of work you're doing right now like or different various things I'm, I'm not sure like if you're doing you know conventions or or how that all works but yeah so
1: um I recently got represented by a gallery down in Florida called Reef Gallery. Um, So I've been making lots of pieces to try and fill up a room for their gallery space. Um, So I've been making a lot of coral that are uh, used in coral restoration efforts, like staghorn coral, elkhorn coral, and boulder coral. Trying to bring awareness to coral bleaching and get money to these coral restoration efforts. Um, so that's my main goal in glass blowing. Um, I have found my own little niche in TikTok and social media, being able to connect with a large group of audience that um, I live stream all my glass blowing so people get to see the good, the bad, the ugly there's people that come hang out for six hours at a time and they get so invested in pieces. They are just as invested as I am. And then sometimes I'll just accidentally tap the end of the bench or something. And then they get to watch it all fall to the floor. (laughs) So it's, it's such a connection because they feel the same heartbreak as I do, but also whenever a piece makes it into, into the annealer, they feel that same uh, excitement and just relief as I do. So I really love being able to share that aspect of things. So uh, pumpkin I, I, soup. I,
0: it was like my favorite thing all month going down there. It made me so happy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I had such a good time. I was like, this is so cool. Um, it was a great experience. I think other people should go and check out a glass blowing you know I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a class but it sounds like you kind of have you know you invite people down and it's pretty exciting yeah yeah and, uh, pumpkin season and christmas season
1: coming up uh these are really glassblowers busiest seasons um so a lot of us are out here making pumpkins every week and it's going to be snowmen and ornaments in a couple more weeks
0: I like um, the pumpkins you guys are making. Those are really cool. I mean, like there was one that's kind of purple. I They're just really nice. And the ghost, <laughs> those are pretty cool. Those
1: are a big hit. I've been, I just boxed up about four of those today.
0: Oh, wow. So you, um, as far as the, uh, like you're you're filling a whole room with projects and it, are these projects that they have asked like to be a specific way, or are you just kind of coming up with things like leave it to your imagination type stuff or so they are kind of leaving it up to
1: me as the artist, but I really uh, try to create immersive experiences. Oh, um, that things awesome. that are viewable 360 degrees around. Um, I don't want to put it in a display box. I don't want to put it somewhere hidden where they have to like seek it out. I want it right in the middle and it takes up the
0: whole area. That's so, awesome. Yeah, cool. that's kind of really like the, the museum I went up. to I it was kind of an immersive experience and that's where I was like oh my god I love this <laughs> because it was just so it you just I don't it kind of appeals to your senses and it's very unique and it's not just a painting you know it's so much more so I, like growing up
1: I um I kind of had my own business creating custom reptile habitats <laughs> So I absolutely love creating um just environments that try to fulfill all the needs possible. Um so that was anytime I can get back to those roots, I really try to.
0: Is that your is that where your leopard gecko lives?
1: No, that's just a uh, for my beta fish actually. All oh, have Wow, that
0: pounds. beta fish has a good life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most bougie life for a beta fish I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh, that is, that's funny. Um, yeah. I mean, Ethan's leopard gecko, we're going to, uh, we're going to the pet store and I'm trying to switch up his food habits. Cause he's beginning like those worm things. <laughs> They're so weird. And then, uh, crickets, but we're going to get some roaches. Cause he's, you know, he's got to switch up his diet. You he, know, he's probably getting bored.
1: <laughs> yeah. Those Dibia roaches are the way to go. Like I had a colony of those and didn't have to buy any food for about three years
0: they don't like get in your house though right they just stay in like a box they
1: only breed if it's warm enough for the <laughs> process so you gotta have a like, eating pad in their little bit uh, but they don't climb up plastic they're they don't fly
0: okay well, don't. I'm, like, I'm thinking like what if it gets out of the box or like I remember one time when I was a kid i had a what was it like some kind of pet lizard but it like i had a box of crickets and they got like loose in the house <laughs> and we had a cricket behind our fridge for like a month and it just kept it, all night we were like we don't we don't we can't move this fridge we don't know where to, where to even find it but it took forever for it, I, it to stop chirping it was the longest time and <laughs> They we were all over the house. I it, I was young. I didn't know. <laughs> it was funny, though. That's what I'm thinking of with the roaches. You know what I mean? I don't want to want an accident like that. But,
1: Just you know, that's <laughs> <tough>.
0: <laughs> maybe <What's-> a tough <laughs> side. <so. laughs> What's your lizard's name?
1: Her name is Gracie.
0: Gracie. That's right. You told me that. So Ethan's is Doogie. We were looking into getting a second one. But apparently if there's two males, they'll kill each other. <laughs> so not gonna do that um and, and he's just a loner and he's fine but he looks happy so do they like to be handled a lot or are they just kind of it depends on the gecko. his personality he's much more of like a leave me alone type <laughs> which is fine because you know that's all right he's a pretty cool dude <laughs> but back on you and your your uh glass blowing and everything and, and your awesome business. Um, I just want to make sure that anybody who's listening knows all about like where they can go to look at your artwork and like where they can go to find you on Instagram or even on Facebook, or if they want to go visit your studio, uh, or if they, you know, want something, you know, special or, or what, what can they do?
1: Yeah. My website is Ethan com. G L A S S W O R K S um that's where you can find all my glass that's for sale all of my social medias instagram tiktok uh is ethan underscore glassworks um you can also just search through all the hashtags ethan glassworks and i've got lots and lots of views and lots of videos that will pop up so you can definitely find me one way or another
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know you have a really active Instagram and you do a lot of live streaming, which I think is very entertaining. Um, So if people want to go on there and they want to look at your live stream, kind of check it out a little bit. Um, I'm also going to post a link with my podcast uh, to your site and everything. So that way my friends can check it out because I know they they like art as much as I do. Um, Yeah, I'm glad glad I had you on here today. And I mean, is there anything else you want to Talk about before we wrap up the podcast, since we're kind of running out of time.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. Um, one more time, I got some pumpkins and uranium ghosts that glow in black light what available on my site right now. And uh, Christmas time, I'll have some ornaments and snowmen available. Um, so that's one way for people to help support my art. Um, but also, I do make coral sculptures and trying to save the reef that way. So if anyone would like to learn more about formal restoration or learn how to get involved in something like that, feel free to message me or email me. Um, I'd love to talk about it. But uh, yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. And the ghosts, those are really cool because if you hold them up to a light or if they're in black light, they just glow like this really cool green kind of glowy i mean it was really neat that a piece of glass could glow and glow in the dark like that but look like a normal figurine i, I mean really <laughs> it's pretty cool um especially like a halloween party or something oh yeah yeah definitely.
1: yeah you'd be the star of the party with
0: one yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right ethan thank you for coming on um i'm gonna go ahead and stop recording and thank you everybody for listening and uh i will talk to you next time
1: Thank you. Have a great rest of the day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you too.